Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous 2-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine with the weather warming up it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a pilates class or outdoor guided walk Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Bostecu. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello there, wonderful ones. This week, I'm talking to Christina O'Sullivan, who works for an amazing organisation called Feedback, whose overriding aim is to make our food supply system more sustainable. And I did learn so much. I learnt loads. Um, They're the BBC Appeal Charity of the Week this week. That's how I found out about them. More on that in our conversation. Sorry for the background clicks and stuff. Um, My kid is making Lego next to me. That's the nature of working during homeschooling, so there... The emphasis in this episode is really on avoiding food waste and um, one way to do that is to support like a fruit and veg box provider locally who sell the veg that supermarkets end up rejecting um, for one ludicrous reason or another. I use Oddbox for that reason so if you're based in or around London and want to give Oddbox a try I've got a code uh, that gives you a tenner off your first box which makes it only a few quid. Um, That's either in the podcast notes or in the bio on the podcast's Twitter. So make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at The Hoovering Pod. It's the same tag on Instagram if you want to follow us there as well. Okay, uh, you join Christina and me on the Zooms, obviously. Already tucking into our respective lunches um, earlier this very week, uh, both eating up stuff that would have otherwise gone to waste. It's been so long since I had someone sensible on the podcast. <laughs> but, um, oh, I hope but, I just don't disappoint. I'm not sure how sensible I am. <laughs> but I don't mean like, I mean, I, ha- I have had sen- I've had doctors and all sorts, but um, it's been ages since I've had someone on who knows what they're talking about in terms of, I think, sort of the ethics of eating and the environmental impact of eating and stuff like that. It's been ages. And so it's a fascinating time to get to talk to you. But first of all, um, I just want to know what you're having for lunch and what it tastes like. I'm having, um, I was making, oh, can you see it? Like, mm. um, I was making like a leek and potato tart and I had oh some leeks left over. So it's just, it's just basically leeks on toast with a poached mm. egg. Um, I feel like you can kind of put anything on toast 
and it will be good. Anything on so. toast is good. Um, with a poached egg on top, did you say? Because mm. that sounds delicious. What's the red bit? Did I see a red bit? Oh, yeah, it's radicchio. Mm. I, got it, I got it in my veg bag this week. It's like, I really like it. Is it quite bitter, that? It is. Yeah, so it goes well with like loads of umami leeks mm. and eggs. And it's a kind of, I think some people don't really like it. I do really yeah. like it. But yeah, because I guess it's quite bitter, so it, it divides people a bit. Do you know what? I've got an, I, I don't think I like it, but I, do you know, I'm sure I do. I, think I had a bad experience where um, I, it, it was in a recipe and I sort of, probably as part of work avoidance, spent an entire mm. day hunting it, oh, hunting oh, across yeah. all of South East London to find one radicchio and then got it and was like, this is sour. Yeah, um, yeah. I had a bit of that at the weekend. I wanted, I was reading this book set in Japan and they were eating a certain type of tofu dish. So I asked my Japanese friend and yes. I needed like kombu, that seaweed, and I couldn't find oh, it yeah. in a few shops. And then I was like, it's lockdown. I'm not going to mm. go to like 10 shops searching for this specific seaweed. I was like, just going to ask him fair play oh you also have toast right that yeah good. i've got toast i've got a really lovely um bakery in broccoli near where i live uh it's not even that near actually where i live but they deliver on a bike oh that's and, um, nice it's a feels a very privileged thing to be able to do but i was like well actually mm. i might keep that up they do really nice coffee as well little bag of coffee and a loaf of bread every week yes please have you made any like sourdough in lockdown no, or, no. I have not <laughs> somebody gifted me a sourdough starter on the assumption not unreasonably that I'd be the sort of person who would love yeah, to make yeah. their own sourdough um at a live one of these podcasts actually and um it, I kept it alive in my fridge, but it got mm. to the point where I hadn't made bread for so long. I was worried it would die. So yeah. I, um, I gave it to someone. I gave it to Tom Zielinski, nice. who produces The Guilty Feminist. And oh, he wow. made a delicious bread with it. Mm. Yeah, so um, I've got, uh, I mean, it sounds rank, but it is genuinely delicious. I've got a celery soup. No, I, yeah, I, celery is one of those ones as well, isn't it? Where sometimes I get it and I'm like, oh, but then I have it in a really delicious thing and I'm mm. like, oh, celery. Because I feel like normally I just eat it like as a vehicle for hummus or something. Yeah, but then, totally. yeah, every it's so often I cook. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, actually, one of my colleagues, they love celery. So if ever I have too much, I just give, well, in the before times, mm. <laughs> I just give some to her. Oh, yeah. I think I associated celery historically with them. Um, you know, some sort of rank, punitive, restrictive diet. Because mm, there's yeah, that exactly. myth, wasn't there, that like, yeah, it's not oh, no it might not be a myth, there, yeah, yeah. A, a negative calories, blah, blah, bollocks. Anyway, um, I've always liked the taste of it cooked, but I had mm. this fear that I was going to end up with this miserable watery soup. I get a, um, I get a fruit and veg box. Oh, yeah. Which is kind that. of on theme, actually. It's called Odd Box, and they... Oh, they yeah, I know the stuff one, yeah. That, yeah, that um, supermarkets have rejected um or were surplus and um i have had celery in that box every week for a long time and there's only so much hummus mm, yeah, exactly. enjoy. so um i saw that they sent a, and they send a mail out with suggested recipes mm. if you're ending up with a glut of stuff which is so cool and so i made this and i'll tell you what i mean it's delicious because it, ta- it basically tastes a mashed potato and a really nice <laughs> stock but i can really taste the celery in it um mm. and they leave it up to you what herbs to add and stuff and i like that like yeah, so you, and you can also use whatever you have then as well. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I I made it last night. I don't know if that works with vegetable soups. It does with stews and stuff, but I feel like it's grown in um No, I think it does, yeah. yeah. I think so. Mm. Anyway, it's lush with buttery toast. Perfect. 
perfect cold February day. Mm, it's quite grey, isn't it, today? So. Yeah, I know. We had a bit of sunshine weekend, so I'm not going to move. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> Stop stuffing my face enough to ask you things. Um, so, yeah, right. You work for Feedback, um, mm-hmm. an organisation which works pretty tirelessly, hey, to uh, make our food system, correct me if I'm wrong with any of this, I've sort of paraphrased, mm-hmm. um, to make our food system more sustainable and less wasteful and become one that's better for the planet. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and this week, and every week presumably, but this week especially, um, you are raising money because you guys are um, the BBC Appeal Charity this week, raising yes. 20 grand minimum. Yes, fingers doing, crossed, hopefully. Yeah, I, I hope it. Um, yeah, we'll will it into existence. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, um, and because your work is so intrinsically linked to all things eating, I want to know about every single possible aspect of it that you're prepared to, um, oh, to talk to me about. But um, I'm not sure. We have some pretty niche campaigns where I end up talking about, like, um, you know, salmon feed. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. not the most well, interesting no, thing. I think it is so interesting. Oh, I'm a nerd for that stuff. Do you mean, like, in salmon farms? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really important, isn't it? That stuff's so important because, oh, God, I mean, now I just want to talk about that. Um, but isn't like don't you have to feed salmon other fish yeah exactly you already most people don't know that um yeah so it's this idea that like salmon is super sustainable but then when you take into account that you still need quite a large proportion of wild fish Mm -hmm. for the salmon because yeah we calculated that it's like four hundred and sixty thousand tons of wild fish just for the scottish salmon industry and it's like a four hundred and sixty thousand tons like a kind of random number but it's basically the equivalent to how much um seafood is bought in the uk but wild and farmed so it's it's like quite quite a lot and a lot of it is fish that we could eat like sardines or anchovies um really? i actually have some anchovy paste which is my like um guilty pleasure mm. on my toast as well uh nice yeah salty. so exactly mm. um yeah so it's it, there's so many things and then i think that's what's so interesting and, and also sometimes difficult when you talk about these things that there's there's it's so complicated you know because yeah. you it's not just about the salmon it's like what does the salmon eat where did that come yeah. from what did that like, eat? where did they come yeah, from to get that what, exactly what, yeah was that have been is that causing um a depletion of something else that would have yeah, otherwise yeah. been feeding on that that wasn't a person yeah exactly it, is, it goes back and back and back it's so complicated um but i do think i mean I don't know. I'm pretty basic bitch when it comes to <laughs> trying to eat ethically, but I do. I very. I'm normally pescatarian, but I am. I am not being very much at the moment because my fiance lives with me and she doesn't eat fish. She's completely vegetarian. Oh, so. well, that's fair enough. Yeah, um, but I mean, on occasion when we get a takeaway, we had mm. pizza the other night, and I got one with anchovies because I was like, yes, please. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of a yeah. rare and glorious treat. But anyway, when I am looking for a fish that I could feel less guilty about buying in a normal supermarket or whatever, then um, I tend to go with the one that's got the marine, the MS, MS yeah. Stewardship Council one, right? Yeah, um, sticker on it. And they, uh, Salmon's never got it on. Yeah, I think um, it's, yeah, it's like, so Salmon does have some, uh, like some ratings and some labels, but whenever we respond to a consultation, it's because it's off, like, the ratings aren't based, they don't necessarily often take the feed into account or they do right. to a certain extent, but not. Um, but I think the problem with salmon is that people just eat so much of it. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of that thing of once like anything gets too, too big. Yeah. Um, and I also think, I don't know if popular. you have this experience, but when I'm, 
I go to supermarkets, like the way they kind of market the salmon to you, it's to make it look like it's wild. And actually like there, you can't buy a Scottish wild salmon anymore. The last um, like, um, production closed down a couple of years ago because there just wasn't enough left. Wow. So if you buy Scottish salmon, like it's, it's farm, but they, mm-hmm. they often you know, put a picture of like a really beautiful, pristine lock on the front. And if you, know, if you turn on the back, it will say somewhere, maybe it's farm, but it's often... Yeah, it's you know it's maybe done to to give it this illusion of it's from this beautiful wild place. Yeah, and It'll the same like with wearing a kilt and in a particular yeah, no, there's sort of literally I can send wave. you a picture of it because they um <laughs> they've been exporting it to like I think places for sushi and there's literally one called tartan salmon and they've got tartan oh. on the pack oh. and we and my boss are like we were looking at it like oh my god it's oh, so ridiculous. So yeah, it's like you're joking, but <laughs> like oh. this salmon was. You know, someone played the bagpipes to it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it, it did a dance upstream. It kayleed up. Yeah. yeah, it's having a great time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's wild. That's part of the work. Is that part, did I read that that's part of the work? I mean, you do so many different things in your organisation, mm. but it's to do with, like, misleading branding and stuff. Yeah, so we did a campaign, a fun one called Total Bull, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of like that's calling out misleading marketing. So we're focusing on that a lot of supermarkets use, like, fake farm labels. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you buy chicken at Tesco, and it's it's basically, like, the cheapest, um, yeah. like, the value product, but mm-hmm. they rebranded it, and so it's called, like, Willow Farms. Um so, you know, the, obviously if you pick that up and you're, you know, you're like a busy person, you're just doing your shop, uh, you yeah. know, that's even if you don't necessarily stop and go, oh, I think this is from a farm. It, it's to give you this idea that it comes from like a small local farm when the reality is that came from a factory farm. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, isn't there sometimes quite a lot of misleading stuff in terms of the country that things have come from, even if you say like, yeah. I mean, I don't think you're allowed to explicitly say. No, but I think sometimes... Yeah, I'm not hunted, but like something can come from somewhere, but they could be smoked in Scotland or something. Mm-hmm. And then it might say like, um, you ha- yeah, it can be yeah, kind of complicated. Um, Are all the rules around labelling? I know there was quite a lot of quite good EU rules hmm. about not being able to say something, you know, was something that it wasn't or had been reared in a way that it wasn't, etc. Are we about to or have we just lost all of that? I'm not I think there's definitely there's like Sustain who's another charity they're doing a lot of work on standards and stuff so I think there is a a fear that some of them will be watered down Um, but I think some of the problems is sometimes as well like supermarkets own standards are stricter so when it comes mm. to like how a fruit and veg has to look it's like stricter than say the eu rules or something anyway so some people want to say oh the eu rules are too strict but the reality is it's like the supermarket actually dictating um yeah how straight a parsnip's got to be yeah or how exactly an apple's got to be or... and some yeah some of it is ludicrous like one of my colleagues was telling us that it wasn't even that it was like when the four apples were like in the packet it had to weigh a certain amount <laughs> What? <laughs> it's just bunk like it's like you know it's like, it makes no sense but oh yeah god mm, in my tongue I really want to know first of all um and I because I'm ashamed to say that before I saw your radio appeal mm. radio for um yesterday um I thought that it just meant um like getting enlightening information out of someone. But um, what is gleaning? <laughs> yeah, no, you're, that's that's definitely a fair assumption. Okay. It's actually, it's a really old practice. It's mentioned in the Bible. So, Ooh. you know, Jesus endorses that. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, so it's traditionally people would, if there was surplus left over on farms, there right. would people, local people would go and harvest that obviously with like permission from the, from the farmer. Mm. And I think there's even a term, which I, I quite like, call it like it was someone would be like the queen of the glean if they were like the woman running it. Nice. So a while ago, we kind, because we were seeing a lot of food being wasted on farms. Yeah. Um, to do with so, the pandemic or just how inefficient of food systems are yeah so this would have been pre like we've been gleaning for years now but um mm-hmm. for lots of reasons and a lot of it coming back to like supermarkets having a lot of control so right. say um the stuff not meeting the right specifications or um, coming so at Sheila, the wrong time if the weather changes yeah exactly so we had one person say to us once that say you grow a lot of strawberries mm-hmm. because the supermarket says they want this much and then you send them the strawberries on Monday and they're like, cool, great, fine. And then the weather changes and it's going to rain the next day and people, you know, probably aren't going to eat as much strawberries because they're not having a picnic or whatever. Wow. So then you send them basically the same, like from the same farm and they're like, oh no, these aren't okay. And because people really rely on having a supermarket contract. Oh, and also what a lot of farmers say is they have to overproduce because they're like, you never want to like not have enough for a supermarket. So you overproduce by a certain amount to right. make sure that if yeah. there is some weather issue, so your crop doesn't come or if a supermarket changes their mind. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's kind of like overproduction is just built into the, into the system in that way. But then you end up at times where like, say there's a lot of cauliflower, so there's way too much cauliflowers on the market. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, where do you, where, where do they go then? And the problem, and then where I guess gleaning could be useful, but ultimately needs more systemic changes the cost of harvesting them is more okay. expensive than what even if you sold them say super cheap or if you want to donate them to a charity but you still obviously need if you're a farmer to pay some labor to harvest them so that's when stuff like the gleaning network will can go in and do that well so what does the gleaning network do send some volunteers in to pick the Stuff yeah, there. volunteers go to farms. And What's stressful pay. about this is how time sensitive it is. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's sometimes, not, sometimes it's not going to be until the, the stuff's rejected. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's like the farmer's like, can you come tomorrow to or something? Yeah, it obviously depends on the veg, but yeah, it yeah. can be. And, it's, and it can also be like I've been on gleans where say like there's so much apples and you yeah. do your best, but like at the end of the day, you know there's going to be so much still go to waste, mm. but you're like... That's just, you know, the reality. Yeah. But it's right because you can see it and you're like, it's all it's all really good and you can like eat them. Like, they yeah. taste really good. But you you kind of can't, yeah, you can't harvest it all because it's too much. God, it's bonkers. It is yeah. so bonkers. I, um, yeah, I wanted to ask about some of the stuff that you have gleaned. And I don't know, mm. I mean, we were talking in advance of this about uh, things that get, I think, veg that gets a bad rep that you can... Yeah. That you can end up, that you've ended up having like loads of, I mean, apples, I feel like apples, especially in the UK, we have an abundance of. Mm. Um, let Again, yeah, it's just we get a lot at the same time, right? And then people yeah. are like, too many apples. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, there are endless things to do with apples. Whereas, I don't know, what was the one you brought up in advance of this? Cabbage. Well, cabbage is one that in yeah. um, my colleagues, like who are based in Liverpool and Manchester, so they always, they get a lot <laughs> They're like, we're gleaning kale again. (laughs) They get a lot of cabbage. I get a lot of cabbage in my veg bag as well. The last couple of months, so I've definitely been uh, feeling, uh, experiencing that. Yeah. Um, And then pumpkins is one we often end up with a lot of as well, because a lot of Mm -hmm. pumpkins, say, get grown for Halloween and they're not you. Yeah, people don't know you can eat them, I think. Exactly, yeah. Um, So we have started now, because we are getting so many pumpkins, Mm -hmm. and because also they are... 
they can be difficult to prepare in terms of you know, like peeling the skin. So we've started um, a, like social enterprise, basically, that's turning those into soup. Oh wow! Um, that we will sell. It's uh, yeah, it's called Sussex Surplus, and nice. um, it's also to provide like kind of meaningful paid entry level yeah. jobs because there isn't that many. So we have like people all on living wage um, okay. contracts working on the soup, and like they'll actually you know learn different skills and and uh, yeah, they have a new kitchen and exactly. So it's exciting Amazing. as well. So that yeah, taking something we've done other stuff as well, like pumpkin yaki, which is. Apparently very nice. Um, but yeah, they've gone with Delish. soup as the first product. Um, How amazing. That's very cool. Yeah, we're really excited. It's been a bit delayed because of COVID and Brexit, but I'm, but I think the soup will be like ready very soon. So that's really exciting. Excellent. Um, yeah, I don't think people, I, I think lots of people don't realise how long you can, how all that, like you can, f- all kale and stuff. I just mm. freeze it. Yeah. Or like that, I said it last, because if you buy often, you know, a bag of kale in the supermarket, it will have a, a best before date on it, which yeah. fresh produce doesn't need to have. Um, and it kind of yeah, can, can create tell. this sense in your brain of, oh, that, that, that won't be good. I can't eat that afterwards. But like, yeah, I mean, yeah, but you can, re- and something like a pumpkin will last, if you, mm-hmm. especially if you, if it hasn't been cut into, it will last a really long time. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. In a cold, dark place. Mm. Pumpkins, I feel like, yeah, live really, really extraordinarily long time. Yeah. Even even like hard cabbages, that's what I've got loads of at the moment. And I'm, I don't know, I'm not running out of ideas because I also I feel like I've got hard, kind of got no excuse at the moment in the age of the internet. Yeah. Like you can, Do you mean like a hard white cabbage? Yeah, or, not like mm. a wrinkly savoy, a hard white cabbage. I don't I mean, kimchi. Oh God, oh yeah. Did the house, because my housemate was going to try kimchi. Was it going? Um, it's fiddly to make and I had to buy kilner jars, but now I've got kilner mm. jars forever. We have a couple of kilner jars, so. Yeah, so, and and, and and then it's not that fiddly. I mean, it's not expensive. You need, mm. I think I used, I, think I needed salt, chilli flakes, um, you know, you can go all out and get special Korean spice mixes or you can yeah. just make your own chilli flake mixture up. Hmm. Um, and then you need bottled water or sterilised water, I should say. So you could like boil it and yeah, like cool or just, it or something. Yeah, well, you've just got to make the jars ultra clean and you've got to right. wash it all and you've got to salt it all and you've got to rinse it all. Mm. And then you've got to, it's just got to be, there can't be any bacteria in there when you put it all in there. And then it's just like a waiting game. And yeah. then, I don't know, it could have been beginner's luck, but it was really nice, the one I made. Yeah, because I, I tried one recently, but it was, it was a bit off. It was, I got this new cookbook called Vegetal, Vegetable Kingdom. It's like a vegan cookbook by someone called Brian Terry. And they had a, a kohlrabi one. Ooh, and nice. I've been getting a lot of kohlrabi in my veg rag, but then I kind of went rogue and put all this kale in it. And then it, I don't know, it kind of didn't work as well but I ended up making it mixing it with tofu and making like dumplings out of it for oh, nice. uh, Lunar New Year that was actually really good but I think I was like maybe we should try cabbage next time is kohlrabi the big like enormous white radish no thing? it's it looks it almost looks like an apple it is like an or oh. but it does have like big leaves coming out of it so like oh. it, I think the first time you see it you're probably like what what is that I'm getting it confused I think with I like, think you're thinking of a daikon yes maybe. a daikon Daik, yeah You'll know I don't know if I've said it right. I don't know if I'm saying it right. But yeah, I think just never-ending coleslaw. We're a coleslaw factory. Yeah. Luckily, my I, five-year-old will devour coleslaw. Yeah. Even if I made, um, for pancake day last week, like, you know, those savoury kind of, they're kind of like Japanese pancakes, like mm. okonyaki. And it's like, you just cut, the, shred the cabbage and put it in. Yeah. And that was because my housemate was like, did you get cabbage in your veg bag again? And I was like, yes, but I swear it's actually... <laughs> delicious I know what and I've still got more things to do with it yeah I'm putting it in a Japanese omelette yeah. watch this yeah, it, it was, was my plan all along Japanese pancakes 
the souffle ones or yeah. as well. I tried to make them yesterday and my um whisker stopped working while oh, I was feeding no. the white eggs, the egg whites. And then I was like, will I do this by hand? And then I was like, no, I'm just... No, I won't <laughs> do it by hand. Thank I just use it so you get those vibes. And you're like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. I'm going to let it go. Mmm, delicious. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Please may you tell me, what is nutrient recycling? Oh, do you mean in terms of like, it's basically keeping good food, I suppose, in the food system. Right. So we also have a work on, like I was mentioning, kind of animal feed earlier um, mm. in terms of salmon feed. But um, I don't think too many people know sometimes that when you hear a lot that say like livestock, like meat is really bad for the for climate change mm. and a lot of that comes from the feed as well because um you know like soy, like, like yeah soy and um so like chicken and beef like there can be fed a lot of soy so then it yeah. makes it like a much bigger environmental footprint so they're like historically we would have fed a lot of food waste to pigs because pigs are that's actually kind of why pigs evolved because they could eat like human uh, food waste. And old pigs. Yeah, and then I'm like that, a pig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was born in the all... Chinese year as a pig, and um, <laughs> I remember sort of hearing that. I think probably as quite a sensitive teenager and being like, oh, "God," and mm. then reading about it, and it was like quite intelligent but very greedy. And I was like, "Oh, I'll take it." Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's not the worst one. Yeah. So, so yeah, the nutrient recycling then would be keeping certain food when they say too much of it or so turning it into feed that could go to, to animal feed. So a certain amount of that is done at the moment because the laws are quite strict. Yeah. Um, it kind of means that there's a lot that could go to that feed that isn't. Um, and it would just means that, yeah, the, the ideal, I guess, for us would be at the moment, it's like you have a kind of linear food supply chain with um and with a lot of food waste whereas the, the goal would have a more circular one where ultimately very little food is wasted so you know if there was for you know because things happen in nature and things happen in life or you might have a surplus of something that would either figure out a way like maybe like we're talking about um making soup or making kimchi or yeah, yeah. but also that sometimes that could be turned in, into animal feed in certain situations that might be the best use for it so it's like keeping as much of the food we grow basically in the food supply chain 
Um, oh, God, it's so interesting. And then you have this thing called the supermarket scorecard. Mm. And is that to do with how... And is that ever changing? Ever changing, or was that a study that was done at one point in time recently about which supermarkets are the best and the worst at wastefulness when it comes to their yeah, food buying so and we, selling? We have done a few supermarket scorecards. So the first one we did, yes, was on food waste. Um, I did that one, so I can Amazing. talk on it quite yeah. well. Um, yeah, I think, and then since then we have done one on fish, so on aquaculture and also on meat, and we're about to do redo the one on meat. Um, the one on food waste basically was, it was to kind of highlight that a lot of supermarkets now, compared to when we were first working on this issue, say they do stuff on food waste. But I guess it was to try disentangle, like, or highlight, like, what, are you actually taking meaningful action? Because it's yeah. all fine and well to have a, no, we now sell wonky avocados, but like, what's, like, are you measuring it? Is it working? Um, so it was to kind it's of- amazing, put- really, because I mean, it, a lot of the time, I think it's to do with which supermarket's got the best PR, ultimately. Yeah, definitely. Like, There's you, an element to that. Yeah, how widely spreading, and, and know your audience. Do you know what I mean? I was mm. so surprised at the worst supermarket um, in that report for wastefulness mm. at the time, which was Waitrose. Yeah. Because my lovely uncle, um, who actually did the music for this podcast, but he's like, he loves his Waitrose, and he can be mm. a little bit, I doubt it's it. Um, I don't know. Like, he, he's a bit like, oh, we still get stuff from Amazon. Um, mm. And his argument was, oh, waitresses are amazing because they um, they they get food that's travelled less, like less right. very long distance imported food compared to. And the example he was given was um, he was given was Aldi Lidl. Like you mm. know, he was like, that's they're getting, you know, they're better, they're better environmentalists. And then it's like, uh, me, Mike. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I think we trust did, Yeah, they did better on the meat one, but yeah, right, for yeah, some of the much. um the food waste stuff. And then it's interesting because I remember some of the stuff they're saying. But then I, like one of the days around it, because obviously they were like unhappy with coming last. I saw like a waitress van and it had like a woman holding apples. It was like we only choose the best apples, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> that's you not the waitress. <laughs> Yeah, I love all supermarkets but I do wish they'd all up their game and in that report Tesco's did the best mm. yeah although obviously yeah. at the same time they're pretending that their most <laughs> mass massacred animal meat is coming from a cute little farm from exactly yeah and, you know, we will often say, because a lot of stuff, when you talk about food waste, you know, a lot of responsibility gets put on the individuals. You know, we, yeah. we all need to stop wasting food. And like on one level, yes, but also, you know, supermarkets make more money when we buy food we don't need. And yeah, also, it does feel like a bit of supply Because like, I haven't, yeah. what the, Hugh Fernley Whittington did a documentary, didn't he? Which I think was like, certainly in terms of like mass realisation about what was going mm. on. And it was yeah, it he came on Morrison's a... and parsnips, yeah. wasn't it? And it was heartbreaking to watch all this stuff being rejected. But the supermarket's defence at the time was people will not buy the wonky ones. Mm. It, we, so it, it, the, the consumer has been trained to expect, you know, and you've got that stereotypical idea of people squeezing everything, check what's perfect, like, mm. like we did in the, like when we were all shopping in a grocer's or whatever, um, uh, and, I, and I, oh, I don't know. 
it just seems to be a case of putting maximum pressure on for real transparency. I think what you're doing is so important because yeah. as much as I think there's, there's quite a sort of a white liberal middle class argument of like, well, just shop at the greengrocers then. Or just, yeah, buy, exactly. just get a veg shop. You know, get, yeah. get a sustainable organic veg box. You're like, yeah, not everyone can do that. And there's exactly. too many people in the population. It's hugely expensive to live like that. I mean, fine, if you can, do. Mm. But ultimately, we do also it, we've got to change the practice in supermarkets because that's always going to be a necessary place and it is so convenient to be able to go to one place mm. and get everything um, yeah because like you look at how much power the supermarkets have of like you know it's like the there's 10 big supermarkets the top four control so much of the market share yeah. um pretty much all of us shop in a supermarket at some stage during the week so it's pretty naive of them i think to say that they don't influence how we how we no. buy food, Especially how we Especially in the course food. of the last year when essentially they've been the equivalent of a theme park because they were the only place Exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think supermarkets definitely have a job to do in terms of like both the waste in their own supply chain, but also in, in ensuring that their customers don't, don't, don't waste that much. And we have asked supermarkets, you know, would you do a study to see like if people are wasting less at home from your shop, none, none have done that. Or would mm. you, for instance, um, as a metric of success, like say that we should be selling less, uh, like less sales would suggest less waste. And I think if you say less sales to anyone yeah. working in a corporation, no they're like, they're brave. But, but they're like, no, cause that's not how it works. Cause people buy higher value stuff. But, but it's this kind of idea of like what, you know, ultimately we do need, you need to be selling less and you need to be selling different stuff. So, you know, I like it's a long time ago now, but I remember to do with gleaning, like talking to farmers where cauliflowers, there's a big cauliflower glut and loads of cauliflowers going to waste. And it was the same around the same time that like courgette crisis was happening where they mm. were like, there was not enough courgettes. And it was like, well, like there's loads of cauliflowers. So you could be, you know, marketing cauliflowers to people, but it's it's this yeah this weird kind of like myth of we have to have every single thing and yeah yeah ah uh, and but we've got again I get I guess they've they've led it and and people have gone along with it we are so used to mm. having access to all the things all the time out of yeah. season um you know and, and and actually you know considering there's a pandemic and Brexit food things have got off to quite a rocky start in some ways. It's pretty impressive, actually, that the only things that have really... I mean, uh, I don't know, maybe it isn't. I know that seafood industry has had a terrible time. Yeah. Um, but other than that, and I say this only because I did a news quiz the week that that was all kicking off, so I feel like I read everything <laughs> that week. Um, but it did look like it was kind of quite luxury items, like biscuits and scotch and shit like that that wasn't making its way to Brussels and France. Yeah. And like, no offence, but who cares? It's probably all right. Um, yeah, yeah. sorry. Sorry, M&S. Um, mm. um, but, yeah, I... Uh, it does boggle me that there's then no room for that flexibility because that mindset has gone of like, well, what of course you wouldn't have strawberry in December. Uh, it's or, also that like yeah. the way the system works, it's kind of like a just-in-time system, which you yes. know was created for car manufacturing, which wow. makes sense if you're manufacturing a car, but is not doesn't really you can't necessarily apply it to like the is food that, system. Is that, is, it, is that why the system got so fucked by lockdown one? 
when people I, yeah because it was so reliant on these like very like very little you know like your you want very little stuff stored for a long period of time it's constantly moving stuff maximizing your square foot space but then it's not resilient and it's not resilient to shocks in the food system and I think that's why a lot of um yeah like smaller like community like veg boxes and stuff were okay because they had built kind of in some they were able to survive those things in the way the supermarket model isn't really yeah Oh, God, it's so interesting. Um, and so, yeah, I suppose they all are going to want to be at the top of your scorecards. We just have to keep putting that sort of pressure on supermarkets, mm. I guess, and try and sort of turn the tides. Um, uh, because, as you say, like I think that putting the pe- pressure on the individual, I mean, fair dues, like, I think there are different types of attitude toward, like, even within households about, mm. like, all eat stuff that, you know, this is so interesting. I love the idea that we shouldn't have best before dates on fruit and vegetables. It's pretty obvious yeah. if it's edible or not. And also there's certain fruit and veg that sort of the, the chemical composition of it changes as it ages, but it doesn't mean it's useless. Yeah, banana, so that's like, like it know, might taste freezy. slightly different. Yeah, but. but bananas get sweeter. They're great mm. if you chop them up, cut, peel them, chop them up, freeze them, stick it in a smoothie, bush, back, mm. bush. Same with like lots of greens. I think you can freeze this. There's hardly any, if you're prepared to whiz it up into either a soup mm. or smoothie or something, there's there's hardly anything you can't freeze. Um, but as I, as I was, but what I mean is, yeah, it doesn't fully make sense to put all that pressure on the individual. Uh, ultimately, as you said, like when you're gleaning apples and you've eaten one, maybe two, like you mm. can't <laughs> you can't like get through it. You can't just keep get like getting through one person because then. I suppose ultimately it feels once you're making yourself feel sick. <laughs> yeah. It's also another kind of waste. But um Yeah, and also what you mentioned earlier, you know, it's like a lot of people will say, Oh, you know, but we could all choose to not shop at supermarkets or but but like the reality is not everyone has that choice. No. Um, you know, some people live places where there isn't even that many places where they can buy food, yeah. let alone fresh food. Um well, and what is, I mean, there's even going to be people who live in a remote place where it's only one of those four big supermarkets that exactly. will deliver to them who yeah. are shielding. You know, this there's so many yeah. um, sort of blase um, assumptions made, I think, by exactly, my yeah. ilk, you know, Guardian mm. reading, etc. that people are all kind of like just making poor choices or they're, they're just yeah. not educated. You know, people just don't know how to cook and that's why. And it's like, no, mm. like oh, yeah. they don't understand nutrition. You're like, well, I think that's bullshit, actually. I think you've just got yeah. to that choice, you know. And you it's don't... even like having having time to cook. Like I said, like, yeah. you can make kimchi, but you need time yeah. to be able to afford killer jars. And yeah. if you're on like a zero hour contract, how do you plan how you're going to cook for the week? Or oh, what you're God. Gonna, like, I mean, it's just totally ludicrous. Four years ago, I'd never heard of kimchi and I'm definitely yeah. middle class. Come on. I mean, like, it's the sort of thing that my mum would be like, you know, call it quam chai for the next six years mm. and then probably try it then. Um, <laughs> how are some of the things, uh, because again, I found your website revelatory and I would say to anybody listening to this who's like I haven't got any money to donate to this appeal Mm -hmm. just um just read about what these guys are up to because it's extraordinary and actually the breadth of all the things you're investigating and the studies you're doing and things you're campaigning about um is incredible and I felt just from you know a half hour read of the website this morning really enlightened um I want to know um, about how some of the things we are growing in the UK are harming the planet, um, even in the soil. 
I read. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, because I think, I think there's sort of a growing knowledge that, as you were saying before, like, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a misconception to think that all the soy that's being grown is to feed vegans. <laughs> it's yeah, to, it's no, to feed the it's animals for carnivores, yeah. yeah. So, um, but there are other things. Sugar? Yeah, that was, that's quite a new, and I didn't know much about sugar beforehand. It was that, like, I think when we all think of sugar, we're, we're kind of used to getting this health messaging, you know, like sugar yeah. is bad for us, it's rotting our teeth, whatever. But that quite a lot of sugar beet is grown in the UK and not only that but it's grown in like the prime agricultural soil oh right um um so it's sort of like we're using this really good soil and um, where we could be growing fruit and vegetables to grow sugar beet to make sugar which we you know you need a certain amount of sugar like I made marmalade recently and you use quite a lot like like yeah. so it's not that we oh, shouldn't no, be making I don't want to rude I don't um yeah, I don't, believe, I don't believe in the moral good or badness of food no. it, it can have different nutritional value fine but like I don't have an issue with sugar per se yes please to sugar yeah but, it's like, should but we I, I had no using... idea that what it was doing was having a negative impact then on the quality of the soil and using up space that we could have had other exactly it's like should we be using as much land and the good quality soil that we are to grow sugar is another question and then it's similarly like growing um energy crops Mm -hmm. so growing food basically to feed to like anaerobic digesters to make soy is like is that that's not the best use of it's sort of weird that sometimes I find myself in this situation where it's almost like controversial to be like we should be growing food for people to eat <laughs> like and everyone's yeah. like shut up <laughs> what yeah you know you find yourself every so often being like this this, this. and obviously like, things are way more complicated the things are complicated but on lots of levels yeah it's like what when you take a step back it's like why are we growing you know, lots of things to to make energy when we could be growing that to make to grow to grow I mean, more it's vegetables. It's a simple or, answer because that's where the easiest dollar is. Like, yeah, I think sometimes it's that, and I think sometimes it's also just people get you know stuck in this the way we've always done it. You know, so we yeah. grow sugar here that <clears throat> and, yeah, and change. And then I, that's why I think farmers need help with transitioning to other things because it shouldn't be a massive cost like or a burden on the farmer to transition to a more sustainable thing either. Because, yeah, we have a kind of, um, I guess, a principle that guides that work, which is it should be like the maximum nutritional output for the minimal environmental damage. So that should kind of be a guiding principle in how we go about growing food. And even stuff, I don't know if you've come across Hadmadads, they grow pulses in the UK. They're really good. So they grow like, um, and a lot of them are kind of varieties, maybe like different types of beans that apparently we had here a long time ago. And they were just saying that, you know, you actually can grow that stuff here and people just hadn't been like, what are they called, sorry? Hardmadads. Hardmadads. Cool. Oh, it's so interesting. I feel um, like such a, like, oh, I love lentils. <laughs> I love lentils in the right place or time. I do love lentils. I, I, um, I challenge anybody who thinks they don't like lentils to not like a really sexy taco doll. I think that's, mm, that could yeah. sway around. Or actually, or or a black doll, mm, any mm. doll, a, a, just a good doll. I should just say, just a good yeah. doll. I yeah. think that's like, um, it's like, um, oh, I mean, it's just joyful. It's just so joyful. A doll. Mm. I've been eating a lot of lentils this lot. I think um, you know, it's like a thing in Italy. I think they cook them on New Year's Eve. It's supposed to be like uh, lucky. 
So I saw Rachel Roddy, I don't know if you know that chef, I love her, and she was doing it. So I, I just got into the thing of making them all the time. And like, I'm like, I'm going to get shepherd's pie with these. I'm going to put them on toast. I'm Lush. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I've got like, I got, I, I think because a, a couple of years ago, I had a go at complete veganism. And well, oh. I never was going to be absolute. And then actually, I sort of it was enjoying it and stuff but I just went overboard I went overboard on the mm. whole lentils and things um, and I think yeah. there's such a stereotype about like that kind of fusty whole food mm. slops which is to be fair I mean still there still are places where you can go and get like lentils eight ways with some yeah. kind of like boiled potato next to it <laughs> you can almost smell the hemp even just talking about it yeah but it's not um yeah I mean oh god yeah, it's so it's when you make it into a really good ragu or a really good dal, then yes, I'm all yeah, over it. Yeah. I just uh, perhaps more sparingly these days. Um, <laughs> how did you end up doing this job for this company? How did you end up with this? Haven't you got a degree in uh, you did food policy or something? Yeah, um, I guess I've always been interested in food, um, yeah. kind of since I was a teenager, but. I think when I was younger, I thought that like a career in food meant like being a chef or being a farmer. Yeah. I didn't really think much beyond that. And I actually just did like psychology in university because I think I didn't know what I wanted to do. But when I was finishing, I got like asked to apply for like a scholarship and they were like, what are you going to do afterwards? And I was like, oh, wow. I don't know. So I, I kind of was like, I'm interested in food. So I Googled like food psychology and turns out that was kind of a thing. So I said I was going to do that. And wow. then I and then I started. I did an internship at um, Cornell University Amazing. in America at like a kind of place specializing in kind of food psychology, is looking at how the environment you're in impacts how you eat or what you eat. And I guess I just realized that I was more interested really in food than than anything else. So um, then I did the yeah, this master's in food policy, which is at City University in London um, and then I worked on the BBC food website for a couple of years right. doing like different recipe testing and writing things about food and yeah and then I had volunteered for feedback before then and um, yeah so then I've been working there for four years now so amazing yeah. oh god it feels like the path's not taken mate if I'm honest I also love food instead I have a podcast uh, about eating yeah um, like it's it's funny isn't it because like I was I was such a nerd I really liked maths when I was younger and I was going to do that at university and I, yeah. I obviously didn't and then when I worked on BBC Food one of my colleagues had done maths at Oxford and I was like yeah maybe no matter maybe you end up doing different things I really loved um, history at school like so much and f- I did for like philosophy religion and ethics and history A levels and I loved those two of them so much um, but I thought oh I can't do a degree in one of those because I'll just sort of float about then and won't get a job so I did law and then finished that and then just never was a lawyer and floated about and did all that and I do look back yeah we should have just done the subject you had to fire yeah exactly because that's that keeps saying for me it actually doesn't really matter what you do your undergrad like you know you can do anything else really afterwards 16 which is when you start applying has got yeah exactly you just don't know what they want to do what they're interested in Okay, I'm going to ask you some non-work-related things to do with eating. Mm-hmm. Um, ha, is there any food that you hate that everybody else loves or a food that you love that everybody else hates? I, I already quite... Avant- I mean, people are a bit sort of marmite about anchovies, aren't they? So I'm glad Oh, yeah. I, well, I do love them, yes. Yeah. Um, 
That's one. Yeah, as I said, my husband introduced me to, I don't know if you have it, it's anchovy. It's like basically like a thing of toothpaste, it looks like toothpaste, but it's anchovy paste. And like, it's so good to put it on kind of anything. Really, Is it but. just super salty, super fishy, super salty? Basically, yeah, it's like super umami. It's really good. Um, I really hate creme caramel. I don't know what it is. It's like the texture of it. I can't, even thinking about it now, I'm like, and I remember being on a French exchange. (laughs) What do you mean creme caramel? Like a creme brulee? You like the dessert. Not a creme brulee, like the kind of more jelly one. Yeah, it's like a jelly. It's like set and it's got a brown caramel liquid, cold. I, yeah. Because, yeah, I was on a French exchange when I was younger once and they gave it for dessert and I felt like I couldn't be rude and not eat it. But I remember, like, you know, you try to eat something up tasting it. So, like, I take a spoon and kind of go, like, oh. <laughs> like, oh. Well, I'm, I'm not a fan. So, I think similarly, I don't How love old jelly. How you when you went on your French, French exchange? Yeah, I was, like, 16. Oh. So, I was, you know. I was 13 when I went on mine. And um, mm. and um, my friend uh, was with a family who, on her on their first night, as an exciting adventure, took them out to a local abattoir. <laughs> What? Watch some chickens get murdered. I had a thing happen where my family were really lovely that I was staying with, but they were like, you know, feeders, love through food, and I mm. love to eat, so they loved that. And um, and they were like, have some more, have some more, have some more. My French was still like rubbish. So I was thirteen, and I said, um, um, non merci, je suis pleine, which I thought meant oh, literally, I am full. Yes. But yeah, I told them I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, that came, someone said that on our um, on ours is when our French teacher was like, that doesn't mean what you think it means. So she, and you'd say like, j'en ai assez or something. I was like, I've had oh, enough. I think you say, j'ai yeah, like, yeah. trop mangé. I have too much eating. She was like, yeah, she was like, don't say because like some it happened to someone else. Right. I think the other one is someone said something like about preservatives or something which i think is condom you know they were like oh this yeah, yeah, yeah 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 this lasts forever no 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 this no. means yeah Papa Johnny on. <laughs> doesn't mean what you think it means creme caramel though yeah okay fair enough okay and there's nothing worse than staying with a family it's not even like a mm. hotel or something it's like god oh, you've got to just get it down yeah, yeah i've yeah. always been suspicious of anything that's like a jelly a jelly consistency yeah it's something about that texture like that. Because other than that, I think I don't really eat meat um, more for environmental reasons. But uh, I other than that, I think I pretty much try every like I'll try kind of everything. So and quite enjoy because even (laughs) they chat at work once. It's like, what was the strangest thing you've ever eaten? And people said different things. And I was like, I've had rat ones. And I was like, sorry, what? What? And I was like at um, an like art event with my friend in Dublin. And it was called like a scarcity banquet. So the idea was like food you might eat in the apocalypse or whatever. Yeah. Like, and so we Crickets, had um, locusts. Yeah, we did. We had some insects. We had rat. And then- <laughs> rat. Fuck. That's yeah, like black nice. It tasted kind of like chicken. Like it was kind of just like char grilled. It was nice. But we also what? had, which is the most disgusting thing was. I do want to, but first of all, can I just say, why is it whenever anyone's eating something fucking weird that it always tastes like chicken? Like it's just crocodile through to rat. It turns out everything tastes like chicken. You're almost to make you think. Should we just give chickens a break? Literally, we also we ate. I think they what like the idea was that also like 
this bring up a conversation about cannibalism. <laughs> so oh, they made Lord. this food look like body parts and it looked like mine looked like a, a dead baby's foot. And I no. said this at the work table and they were like, what are you talking about? And I have a picture of it and I sent them the picture and they were like, I cannot, this is, no. Crazy. So they were like, I'm never asking you this question again. Like, what's the weirdest thing? Oh my God. But what have they made it out of? I'm not even sure, to be honest. But for me, yeah. what's worse is I I feel like I if something smells really bad, I find that hard. And it smelled like they made it smell really bad. So I had to kind of like, eat it, like oh, yeah, it was, uh, I can send you the picture if you want. No, thanks. <laughs> no, I'm all right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that was quite firm for me, wasn't it? No, I'm, yeah, I'm like, quite yeah. squeamish about children and baby type stuff. I, yeah, I read fair. that book, The Road, and... Um, and was scarred by it. <laughs> also, I find myself, like, I often ask a question, and maybe I'll ask you it now then, um, but, like, if there was no other option, would you ever eat a person? But, and I often say, oh, do you know what, probably if I was starving. But I do have, like, a really forceful, involuntary, internal, massive repulsion dial-up. The, the only films that, like, I have had recurring nightmares about other ones that I've seen that have involved cannibalism, even when they have done it in mm. quite a kind of farcical way. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'll remember scenes in detail. And I don't really remember anything that I see films wise. So there must be something about it that like, mm. gets me. But anyway, would you literally, oh, I just threw my pen at the wall. Literally no other option. Would you eat a person? I mean, it's hard to know because I've obviously never been in that situation. I think yeah. I probably would because there's that example of the plane crash, isn't there? Yeah, where yeah, yeah. they ended up eating the people. And I, I yeah, I, I mean, I probably, I think, yeah, I probably would. I'd probably gnaw on someone's, someone's leg or something. <laughs> 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 love it. I love I'd like it to think I'm above specific. it, but I feel like, yeah, if I was faced with, yeah. with death, I would probably do it. Fair enough. Um, uh, hangover, what are you having? Ooh, so in my pre not being vegetarian ways, I don't know if you've ever had it. It's a thing in Ireland. It's called a hot chicken roll. So like, mm, um, so it's it. basically like a kind of fairly standard, like say cuisine de France, but yet not like fancy sourdough bread or anything. And then like most definitely factory farm chicken that's caught and like um, in breadcrumbs. Right. in the roll and then you can obviously add what you want but like it's just I don't know what it is I think it's because like the hot chicken kind of melts into the roll wow, but like it's a soft um, roll and it all it's, it's like a like a long one kind of more oh, nor, nice. you know and then um, and people get quite because I said I put when I used to get the waste but like cheese and jalapenos and then some of my friends are like you can't put jalapenos that's stupid so people get quite like defensive for what they what they put in okay. and I think there's even a place in Dublin doing vegan hot chicken rolls now which I haven't had so that would have been my my kind of go-to um, so now I guess it's like similar I would definitely want something I never want something sweet I want something like salty and carby so like uh, like a lot oh, of toast or something 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 like that like I definitely you know, some people seem to crave sweet things but I want um a, a, like a lot of carbs more so I think yeah me too generally although I do find it depends on the hangover sometimes, yeah sometimes I need a spicy thing um and then yeah, I remember again. once I think I was actually going to one of the climate marks in London and I was super hungover and I was in like the Sainsbury's and Tottenham Court Road and I was like I need a can of coke or I'm gonna die yeah, and I couldn't find sugar, it for ages and I it? almost yeah. had to like lie on the <laughs> 
Coke. I really need one. And it's yeah, funny because I normally don't drink need, Coke and it? stuff. But yeah, sometimes when you're yeah. hungover, you're like, no, this is the specific thing I need right now. It's so true. I'm not really a sweet tooth at all. But then I do, I've got a distinct m- memory of a hangover where I was like, it needs to be Galaxy. I yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. And when you're in that hungover space, it's like you focus on it so much. But yeah. I think the worst hangovers I've had ones hangovers where like um I couldn't eat anything. I had like oh, upset it's been my a long time, but yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I remember oh, once no. on New Year's Day a long time ago, I was still living with my parents, and my parents do a kind of like almost similar to Christmas dinner on New Year's Day. They do like a roast as well. Yeah. And so my dad was like, try this, and I ate it and I was like, God's sake. Oh, and like they invited my grandparents over and I just couldn't eat like I had like one potato at dinner and my grandmother was like you should take a picture of that Christina to remind you to not overindulge in future but I just like I couldn't eat anything I was so so I think that's worse if you can actually eat um at yeah. least you can kind of indulge yourself in eating yeah totally like, nice and heal yourself Doors turn sentient and go on strike. It's absolutely rubbish. Everyone looks like burglars climbing in and out of windows or chimneys and loads of people are just trapped indoors, getting thirstier and hungrier and even more bored. And obviously wall smashing down takes ages. And after all the staying in we're doing anyway, you can imagine it is a hellscape. It's awful. Loads of people are trapped in like cells and it's increasingly urgent. Luckily, the doors have agreed to go back to work. Only if you, though, and weirdly it does have to be you actually, Christina agreed to have 981 goes on a zip wire with a muddy lake puddle underneath it, one after another, with absolutely no breaks. It sounds impossible, but you do it! You're a hero. You uh, reward as a place in history as the woman who saved us all from um, doorlessness. Um, But your reward in the moment is a feast of your dreams. It's a fantasy feast, so I don't care about particularly about the consequences of any of this food. Mm. Um, this isn't uh, all the ethics chat we've had goes out the window, I think, yeah. for this. Um, consequences, etc., etc. Um, <laughs> I want 10 pigs on a spit. I don't yeah. <laughs> like, I I've got a baby's foot again. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I, I, anything. Anything is an option. There's no right or wrong answer. I should also add... The, I understand this is your answer right now and if I asked you after a different question or in a 10 minutes mm. time it could be different um, and yeah you're the happiest and hungriest it's possible to be it's not like a last meal it's like the opposite in terms of emotionally and physically mm. sort of where your head's at what would you have? So I feel like in some ways I'm quite basic I would want like really good fresh bread with mm. like lots of butter and like sea salt on the butter and then like really nice maybe pasta if I was really hungry so but even like a simple one like cacio e pepe or the one like olio I get with like this um a parsley and garlic and with like lots of oil so I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't be stressed about like is this enough parmesan I'd be like put as much on as you want yeah, yeah, yeah. and I guess what would be nice is that if there was no limits is I mean, this sounds awful since we've been talking about waste, but do you ever sometimes like you're eating something and it's it's so good and you want to keep eating and you're like, oh, I can see why they had a vomitorium back in the Roman yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can start again. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I don't want a vomitorium, but I just want to be able to eat as much, like, no, no, I hear what you're saying. Like, you experience. Yeah, you don't want to get full. No, that can be Yeah, I want to be able fantasy. to eat as much pasta. Do you know a is, number of guests yeah. on this podcast say that? It's like, I've got too many things I want to eat. Yeah. So part of the fantasy has to be not getting full and or, or, or not, not, 
feeling satisfied, but n- you know, not discomfort. Essentially, yeah, exactly. I, I don't want to be like. Ugh, and the other I thing be is, like- you know, we can take you can take days over this if you want. You can go and go away, come back, go away, come exactly. Back, and everything it's like an ever refilling pasta bowl. Yeah. yeah. Oh god, it sounds delish. Would you have anything particular to drink with it? I mean, probably just some nice wine. I don't know loads about wine, but just a nice, not a not a carton of wine from Tesco, maybe something. What, like, yes. what, what wine that's so posh it's come in a glass bottle? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. That's all I want. <laughs> Lockdown's really changed us, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And someone to serve it to me that isn't one of my housemates. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they ask you what you'd like and then you have a cuddle and then they get you what you like and then you have a cuddle (laughs) and then, oh my God, I can't wait to do cuddling again. Say scrum diddly umptious. No. And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly umptious. What a lovely and fascinating guest. Thanks loads to Christina. First things first, please donate to their appeal. They're aiming to raise 20 grand, as I said in the podcast, for their future projects. And you could really help, even with a a small, small amount. Um, So if you can, do. Um, Go to feedbackglobal.org or follow them on social media where there's links to all of their stuff. I've tweeted about them. Um, They're on Twitter as at feedbackorg and the same on Instagram. Uh, And also if you search for that on Facebook, you'll find they're on there as well. All of that, um, as including everything else that we mentioned that's interesting in the podcast, is all as ever in the podcast notes. If you want to follow Christina's per personal socials, she's on Twitter as at Chris Shine A, one word, Chris Shine A, and Instagram, Chris underscore Shine underscore A. Again, just every, all of that's in the podcast notes. If you like, do you know what? Uh, yeah, I haven't got any money. Um, still read their website it's just so i just learned so i felt like i was getting a a um like a foundation degree in um sustainable food systems because there's the breadth of stuff they do is extraordinary um if you would like a fruit and veg box that uses um and gives you the wonky stuff that is never very wonky to be honest um or scuffed uh, ever so slightly marked they call it so supermarkets reject it it's so mad um i know that there's there must be others all around the rest of the uk or wherever you're listening it's just search if you're in london i know oddbox are an option and i have a code that gives you a tenner off your first one if you fancy that it's uh, in the podcast notes and or in the bio on the podcast twitter at the hoovering pod make sure you're following the podcast on twitter and on instagram feel free to support uh, this podcast with lovely reviews recommendations subscribing to the podcast helps other people find it please tell other people about the podcast if you want to support us with actual money you can give a one-off amount uh, over on acast supporter or you can become a regular podcast helper on patreon um where you give a few quid a month in exchange for brilliant podcast related stuff including completely exclusive content that looks amazing roots well done that is brilliant sorry the lego continues it's a it's a harry potter's uh, train station platform hogwarts express platform nine and three quarters i'll help you that bit maybe love in a sec give me a sec give me a sec i just got to finish this roots give me a sec give me a sec Okay, I mean, this is the least professional we're in and out I've ever done with Lego clinking in the background. Um, 
But I mean, I'm mildly enjoying it. I hope you are too. Um, follow me on social media if you like, at Jessica Fosterkew. Anything longer than a tweet to send me, you can email me through my website, jessicafosterkew.com. Huge thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Hoovering is produced by Emma Caution, and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. Also, special thanks to Rudy for putting up with me working when we're supposed to be doing some very important Lego. 